Hello and welcome back guys to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. I'm your host Shane and today things have been weird with the scheduling. I apologize for this but today we've got a rather interesting topic to discuss. It's something that another location that I've personally been to I should say and a location that I did not know of until actually visiting that location. And today uh, as per the title we are discussing the Old City Jail which, if you are not aware of, is a old jailhouse that is located within Charleston, South Carolina. And it's a pretty unique location, I personally think so. And like always, we're going to talk about the history and then get into some of the ghost stories. And then towards the end, I want to talk about my um, my personal experience there because I went on a, I went on a tour, sort of. Sort of like a blend between a, a historical tour mixed with a paranormal tour wasn't a full-on hunt or anything we did it during the middle of the day but it was fun nonetheless and uh it definitely put this location on the maps for me and i've always wanted to do a deep dive into it so we're gonna be doing that today so the old city jail was originally constructed in the year 1802 and served as a jail for the city for over a hundred years lasting from 1803 to 1939 Most of the structure today stems from the remodeling and renovations that occurred in 1855, and this includes the additions of towers, facades. However, the front interior of the jail still retains what was originally built with the original structure in 1802. Throughout the jail's history, a numerous number of convicts were housed within the walls, ranging anywhere from murderers down to petty criminals, and with each and every floor of the jailhouse, a different type of prisoner was held. The ground floor was set aside to accommodate the jailers themselves, people working at the location, along with, quote, gentlemen-like prisoners, so sort of think like white-collar type crimes. The second floor held the minor criminals, this included people who had debts and prostitutes. And finally, the third floor was reserved for the worst of the worst of those offenders, being the hardened criminals that included thieves and all of the people who committed murders. Most of the offenders held within the jail fell pretty much within the petty criminal category, However, when it does come to the hardened prisoners, such as the murderers and thieves that would be housed up on the third floor, there is documented proof that a handful of these particular criminals did meet their end while being held in the jail. This was due to the fact that the jail did implement uh, hanging through their own specific use of gallows, and their personal gallows were located in the back courtyard area of the property. In addition, during the Civil War, Union POWs were also incarcerated within the Old City Jail. However, uh, there were hundreds upon hundreds of Union soldiers that passed through the location, and the jailhouse isn't exactly the largest of buildings. Most of these soldiers ended up being placed within outdoor tents in the jail's yard, and these makeshift camps were in really terrible conditions leaving most of these soldiers highly susceptible to illness and becoming an assault from the elements themselves. So a few years later, during an earthquake in 1886, the city of Charleston was struck and the jail was not able to avoid any of the damage. Although the main building, as mentioned, still 
retains to this day. A ventilation tower and the fourth floor of the jail uh, were not able to survive, and eventually they were torn down and were not replaced, hence why prisoners only went up to the third floor. The walls surrounding the property was also damaged, and a workhouse that was built besides the jail did not survive the earthquake as well, and these were also demolished. So a few decades later now, come 1911, the last hanging took place on the jail's property, and this being a man named Daniel Duncan, who was a convicted murderer. After Duncan's hanging, again him being the last, the gallows were dismantled and removed from the property, and no more executions were authorized on the property. Just a few short years later, in the 1930s, the jail would be pretty much on its last legs. Due to this, the city of Charleston, along with the housing authority, wished to construct a new low-income apartment complex just across the street, and this sort of sparked the end of the jail. They ended up having a playground that was planned to be placed within the yard itself, and with that, they also decided to tear down a lot of the wall and brought it down to about four feet in height. And then the bricks that they used ended up being used in the apartment building across the street. And finally, it just wasn't able to last. And on September 16th of 1939, the Charleston City Jail was decommissioned and was officially closed, no longer in use. However, the history of the jail continues. And for four decades, uh, the jail did sit abandoned and it was used here and there for storage reasons with the city. But it's really hit its stride again in the 1970s when the building would be turned into a small museum. And 20 years after that, the Charleston Housing Authority sold the property to what would eventually become the American College of Building Arts. However, it was not until 2004 when the school was really able to do anything with the property. Uh, this was primarily an architecture-based school, and after purchasing that, they wished to do renovations. And come 2004 is when they finally got the license to do so. So, what did they do? Essentially, the college used the jail as a sort of experiment and a learning experience for the students. And the students were able to take courses or volunteer with the restoration process. So with this new license, it allowed students to help with the renovating and again the restoration of the building into its original historical roots. And with their help, tours and exploration of the structure became more and more accessible to the public as risk of damage was no longer a very common thing. This continued on until 2016 when the college eventually did move out and the jail was then purchased by the Old City Jail, LLC. And since this point, they have taken over the restoration efforts and they have also helped with the uh, amount of foot traffic and tours that have been coming through the service. And with that, with all this new foot traffic, all these people in and out, things are about to change because with all that stuff also comes more stories and with more stories comes more rumors and potential sightings of people claiming that the old residents and prisoners that used to be housed inside the jail no longer moved on and they continue to linger in the building. So moving on to the ghost stories. 
The prison is believed to be haunted by the ghosts of inmates who died during their time incarcerated within the jail's walls. With the building's relatively small size, they could really only house around maybe 150 to 200 people, and at any given time, they could have three to 400, so imagine the tight quarters. With all these people and this small building, it's not a surprise that it's a possibility that a spirit or two could be lingering around any corner. And as it goes, these spirits range anywhere, pretty much all over the place, uh, being convicted murderers to the wrongfully uh, incarcerated. People believe that certain pirates that pass through the building are also lingering about, as well as slaves and, again, the previously mentioned prisoners of war. A good portion of the strange going-ons that get reported at the Old City Jail nowadays can be chalked up to pretty much your generic events when it comes to hauntings. Objects have been reported to move about on their own, while disembodied voices and ghostly whispers have spooked individuals who did believe that they were either alone in a location or did not think anyone was behind them. On top of that, it has also been reported that doors have been known to move and also slam on their own. One of the very first reported modern-day encounters at the Old City Jail took place while the prison was undergoing renovations during the year 2000. So during this time, the prison had been sealed off. They completely just boxed it off for a few months in order to avoid um, contamination from lead paint that was very common in that structure. However, when the, struck, uh, when the construction workers, I should say, returned and unsealed the building, they had discovered in the dust, which had been, again, accumulating over the past few months, that there were trails of footprints that seemed to be going through, and human footprints at that. Now, it is unclear. I have not been able to discern whether or not these were booted footprints, as in, like, shoes or work boots of any sort, or if these were barefoot prints I, I again that might seem like a weird distinction but to me personally if someone were to break into an old decrepit falling apart jail you'd probably be wearing shoes and if you weren't then possibly you were homeless and that could explain why you got in who knows uh, again though you I can't find any discernible information that sort of leans either way but throughout most of the renovation process, workers continued to deal with rather strange events. However, it all came to an apex during a particular night when several workers, again several of them, witnessed a ghost of a former prison guard who even had his rifle in hand. This spectral guard was patrolling through the third floor of the jail, and the spirit guard seemed to be spotted, or I should say seemed to notice being spotted by the workers. And as he seemed to notice them, he then put all his focus on them and began to charge directly at the men uh, before vanishing completely, which is terrifying in its own right, and then even scarier to the fact that, like, he's gone. Some of the other, I should say, more common ongoings that these workers would report while renovating the old jail during this time uh, included the sound of a dumbwaiter being used. However, the dumbwaiter within the jail had not been operational for a very, very long time. In fact, they just weren't fixing it because they just couldn't. And on top of that, random items would vanish on their own with no reason that no one could find again. And this particularly happened to jewelry and tools. 
So there is that possibility that this is just like a thief or a pit pocket of some sort. But it is still strange nonetheless, especially since they generally locked up the area after the fact. But when it comes to ghosts and more particular events, uh, like the vanishing of items or a dumbwaiter not working but making sounds, the Old City Jail also has a particular spirit that it is most renowned for. And this is a spirit that pops up in shows. I'm pretty sure Ghost Adventures patrolled the area once or twice. Maybe Ghost Hunters. I don't really know if they did or not. Um, but if an investigator goes to this location, more often than not, they're going to at least once try to communicate to this particular spirit. And that is one and only Lavinia Fisher. Lavinia, for a while, was considered to be America's very first female serial killer. Now, despite this title being changed, there is still a very good reason as to why she was given it in the first place. Lavinia and her husband, John, were infamous for being the owners of the Six Mile Wayfarer House, an inn that was located six miles outside of Charleston proper. The thing about this particular inn, however, is that very often the police were being notified of visitors mysteriously disappearing after saying that they were staying overnight. And if anyone is familiar with the H.H. Holmes story, then you're sort of seeing some uh, connections pop up. There isn't too many details about what has come about, but, but I'll try to sum it up. To start, this all took place in the early years of the 1800s, and essentially the Fishers ran a sort of robbery scheme slash gang that operated within and out of the inn itself. The scheme, uh, so to speak, that was implemented involved Lavinia dosing patrons of the inn with tea and then having them pass out. Then, these patrons would be killed, and they would have their valuables stolen and then their bodies disposed of. Some accounts and rumors of this particular event have them being stabbed, saying that John did it. While others have it that the Fishers used a lever in order to drop the bed out from underneath the patron and into a pit of spikes. Now the point that is more or less highly debated upon is whether or not Lavinia was the one to kill these people. And it's been debated pretty much throughout the years. However, as of lately, the discussion has sort of shifted and most people seem to lean towards the idea... Not only was she involved more directly with these murders and with these activities, but that she in some mindset or whatever had a very dark, almost sociopathic uh, tendency to her that may have drove her to actually be the one that initiated most of these criminal at attacks. And keep in mind too, she's very young. She's only like 26 or 27 by the time that they catch and then eventually incarcerate her. The Fishers were believed to be responsible for several dozen victims and were eventually caught and held within the Old City Jail, where in time they would also eventually be put to death via the gallows. Part of why people maybe think that Lavinia was way more sinister than her partner John was due to the fact that her husband actually pleaded for forgiveness in his last moments. However, Lavinia took it into a different direction. She used her last moment alive to mock the crowd that came to view her execution, and rumor has it that she taunted the crowd by yelling out either uh, one of these two following statements. Number one being, 
If you have a message for me to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. And the second one being a bit more on the nose with, If you have a message for the devil, tell me now, for I shall see him in just a moment. Now to this day, it is believed that Lavinia is one, if not one of the most prolific spirits in the jail particularly on the third floor, which again was known to be the uh, floor that housed murderers and more hardcore criminals. Her spirit is known to wander about as well, pretty much roaming the entire area, but again, sticking to this particular floor, with most paranormal groups reporting to spot her simply walking through the halls or moving about corners within the jail. Furthermore, several photos and videos have been taken that supposedly capture Lavinia's spirit. Now, in particular, this is like a weird thing that happens. If one were to stand in the courtyard near the front entrance and look up towards the third floor, there is a few windows that dot that area. And in one window in particular, Lavinia is reported to stare down and look into the courtyard almost menacingly. During one investigation, a group of investigators began asking questions to whom they believed was Lavinia. Again, this was just directed towards who they thought. And during one question, they got a very sudden answer with the devil that came through their recorder. And aside from investigators, though, tours have also reported very odd sightings. Again, with the whole photographs of people claiming that they have captured Lavinia on film to more or less generic stuff once again. With tours now being, like a, again, a staple of the jail, allowing several groups of people in and out throughout any given week, this is rather common, I would should say, that reports might pop up more often. Tour members have reported feeling cold sensations or the idea of being watched in a particular area of the jail, This, again, being on the second and, again, the third floor of the building more often than not. Several have also taken photographs and videos of what they believe were orbs that they have captured, as well as a strange mist or smoke. And a few have also captured what seems to be this odd shape that just sort of encompasses most of the photograph, almost as if something's blocking the lens, even though... Other photos taken within mere seconds don't. During one tour also, a visitor was suddenly choked by unseen hands, so much so that the tour guide actually thought that the woman was going into cardiac arrest, that like they thought this was an actual medical thing that was going on, and when they managed to stop, the the visitor who was on the tour was saying, like, I was being choked by someone, I just wasn't able to speak, I no one was behind me, right? Like, that sort of stuff. Tour guides themselves have also been reported to be assaulted by spirits within the jail, either being pushed, scratched, had their hair pulled, or the sensation, again, of someone's presence looming over them. They've also witnessed spirit orbs as well, along with pretty much refusing to remain in certain areas of the jail on their own. Once more, particularly on the third floor, as well as a lower solitary confinement area, which I'm going to talk about right now with the personal experience of my tour. So the tour itself, from what I remember, I believe I took it in 2015, so this was still while the college was owning it. The tour was interesting. It was a small group. They took you around the courtyard first. They showed you where the gallows stood. 
Um, they showed you where the cemetery used to be with on the grounds. And then they took you upstairs to the second floor, then the first floor, and then back up to the third floor, and then back downstairs. Lots of climbing. And it was interesting, to say the least. They did say a few things that I was not able to find elsewhere, for at least from what I can remember. Um, and I don't remember a whole lot of details. Again, this was five years ago. They did say that people do report a lot of weird stuff happening in the newly constructed, I should say, staircase that takes you from the courtyard to the second floor. They have reports of people feeling strange and a sudden cold gust of wind near the entrance of that particular spot. So it's weird that a new location has that, but potentially it might just be linked to it actually being new and maybe disturbing the old, I don't know, feng shui of the jail. And then a second thing, or I should say afterwards, they do lean heavily into the whole Lavinia story. Um, They have a cage that's still there. I believe they say it's where she actually stayed. Still located on the third floor. Most of the rest of it's been cleared out for renovations, but they keep that for, I guess, obvious tourist reasons. And finally, um, the solitary confinement area. They have it, from what I remember, it's either on the first floor or it's just below. And it's a... It's not a small area, it's relatively large. Their entire group was able to fit inside of it, and when they close the door, there's no light. Like, there's maybe, like, a little sliver of light um, from up and above, and this was, like, the middle of the day in the summertime in Charleston. Clear, clear, sunny day. No light was getting in, it was pitch black. We were all just standing there talking, and the tour guide was saying that People have weird stuff happen to them here. In particular, they had another guide who ultimately quit after working there for a while because they have rumors that one particular inmate, they don't really know who, and from what I can remember, they gave him a name, but I cannot for certainty tell you the name because I don't know. But the guides gave him a name, and he is responsible for grabbing people and, like, harassing people and doing like really weird like nightmarish stuff essentially to people's like minds in a way while they're downstairs in the dark like complete and utter darkness is when he'll come out every now and then and scare people and they had a tour guide who had this happen to him and he quit because he was like no i'm not doing this i thought this was all just for jokes and i'm not dealing with this right now so it's interesting and if anyone who's listening may have actually gone on the tour themselves or is planning to uh please definitely uh help with me confirming that because again it's five years ago i don't know for sure it'd be nice to know if that was true because that's very very spooky but again this is just sort of me reiterating some of the things that i can remember from a personal tour and that's a lot of what's left with the old city jail again it's a very small location it's only three stories and it's not that big the courtyard takes up a very good portion of the property and uh it's a very it's like a house essentially it's it's not even like a full-out jail it's essentially a house um but if you are in charleston or if you are in the area definitely plan the trip it's a short like one or two hour type tour it's a lot of fun it's definitely interesting and at the very least you learn some history but I'm wrapping this up. Uh, my sort of in-betweens for these episodes are being cut a lot shorter now that I'm recording with quarantine and a lot of people being uh, out and about throughout the house and I'm not able to record as easily. So I'm just very keeping things to what the story topic is. 
And I think that works for now. Most of this podcast and most of the reason why I made it was just to talk about these topics regardless. So personal stuff, I guess, leans more towards Twitter if you want to check that out. Twitter at Realm of Unknown and Instagram as well. Keep up to date because I'm also going to be dropping two episodes for either this week or the next week coming up uh, in order to catch up from the episode that was missed last week. That was missed due to, again, complications because of quarantine. And you would think that being home and having all this time, you'd be able to record a lot easier. Schedules are weird now, so I apologize for that. But again, two episodes will be coming out either this week or next week, so stay tuned for that. And if you guys you know, want to support or check out or help the podcast in any way. Leaving reviews is a really great way to checking out the Patreon, if only just to check out the free content that's posted there pretty often. And be sure to check out Twitter and Instagram at Realm of Unknown. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope to see you guys next week with possibly two topics. But until then, I hope you guys enjoyed and remember to stay spooky. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.